Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and this week I'm interviewing Scotty Russell to discuss how he built his personal brand on the side of a 9 to 5 day job. But before we jump into that, I want to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. FreshBooks is an easy to use online accounting software designed for creative professionals like you. You can automate time consuming tasks like invoicing and let clients pay directly from those invoices online using their credit card. So you'll save time and you'll get paid faster too. I'm offering listeners of the podcast a free 30-day trial, no credit card required. All you need to do to claim that is to head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek, making sure to enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So this week, I'm excited to be interviewing Scotty Russell, an illustrator, lettering artist, and podcast host, the man behind Perspective Collective. I found out about Scotty thanks to Diane Gibbs, who was a previous guest on the podcast. And after looking him up and following his work, I've been blown away by his illustration and logo and lettering work. I, I would have to say I've, I've definitely become a fan. But I was surprised to find out that this is all a side venture for Scotty. Um, he's been working on this whilst at a nine to five day job. But how has he done this and how has he been able to make time for it? That was what I wanted to talk to him about in this episode. The surprising thing, on the day of recording this episode, Scotty had not long been made redundant in his uh, full-time position. And it was the first day that he'd actually decided to focus all of his time and energy into building his own business. But he was lucky because he was able to leave that job without too much worry as he built quite a solid foundation for himself that he could fall back onto. So in this interview, we find out how he built his own personal brand, but we also dive into a story leading down a discussion on goal setting and making time to make your dreams a reality. Just as a side note, we had some technical issues with the audio in this episode, so it's not the best in places, but it's such an awesome interview. I hope you'll overlook uh, those places where it's like that. And uh, there are points when you might hear my little seven-month-old uh, daughter crying in the background. Uh, she's currently teething at the moment, um, but obviously she's destined to be a podcast host too. I normally end up uh, recording these interviews just as my partner is putting her to bed so um, it's been a little bit unavoidable this season and you might notice it in a couple of episodes but I hope you can bear with me anyway let's get into this here is the interview with Scotty Russell I've been following you a while now and recently found out that Perspective Collective was a side venture for you, although I now know that your situation's just changed. Um, but what have you been doing full time until now? So for the past five years, I've been working at a large corporation. Um, in three of it, I jumped into a web design role because I saw a need of it. So um, recently, I've been a senior web designer focusing in UI UX world. For the day job as well as I was kind of the go-to guy for illustrations and any kind of branding logo design. So it's like the, the stuff that you're passionate about and geek out over is the stuff I still do too. I just don't show it as much. Um, but recently I was uh, there was a, a widespread budget cut and our whole marketing department was eliminated. 
And that kind of put me in a weird situation. But as we work through it and I'm speaking into the future and just like two weeks into it right now, which will be like a month into it. Um, it's been pretty much the biggest blessing in disguise. And starting the new year when I'm through my severance package, I'm going to be going full time me. Yeah, that's awesome. You know what? I think you're so lucky because you have been building this whole platform on the side that you're in this wonderful situation where, I mean, no one likes to lose their job. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen. But you kind of had this security blanket because you've been spending time on the side of a full time job, building up your own brand. And you got it to the point where I assume that you have um, clients established already. Um, you already got, <laughs> where well, you well, you built up a brand and, um, exactly. you know, you're in the, the fortunate uh, position where you can, you know, jump onto that and, and start building that rather than looking for a job or on the side of looking for um, a, a, another job. Yeah. So, um, Sorry, I was just going to say it, it is fortunate when I started there five years ago it was the exact same time I started Perspective Collective. And it's because of things like coaching and the podcast that are really giving me the ground way to um, spread my wings and take this leap, I guess. And then I, I, I stopped doing freelance for the past year because I'm like, I don't need to do it. Um, yeah, I, I got this all building. But now I feel like I can do 50-50 coaching and 50-50 freelance for sure. I feel like I'm at a good point now. Yeah. So I'm I'm really curious then. So you had your um day job and you started to build up your own side venture. What's the reason why you you know why you made up your mind to start your uh side venture? I guess I've always kind of had that little side itch when I was in college. I was doing logos and tattoo designs for people for like $50 a pop. So I I from connecting the dots, it went back actually it went back to like first grade. I was drawing like Pokémon and like Disney characters for people for like a buck a piece for a drawing that they would take home. And, and so I guess I kind of always had that side hustling nature. Um, and then right out of college, I, I started a t-shirt business with my buddy. Uh, we did it for four years, Daydream and Clothing, and it didn't go to where we wanted to, uh, it to go just through some issues between me and him that we've since worked out. But um, a lot of those things led me to where I am today. If something didn't apply that I created for the t-shirt brand, you know, then I used it for my personal account. And that's when I started uh, like posting on Instagram pretty religiously. And I'm like, you know, what? I need I need a name to put this under. And uh, Scotty Russell designs just sounded kind of weird. And I went the more abstract route of perspective collective because one, if, if you didn't like my work, you didn't need to know who I was. I could hide behind that curtain. And two, uh, just something about the word perspective. I've had a, a pretty up and down roller coaster life and something about perspective has always come around, especially perspective right now. Um, and getting through what could be the biggest adversity and turning it into like the biggest, best thing that's ever happened to me. So it's all about perspective in life. And that's, you know, that, that was big meaning to my name. Mm. So creating that name for yourself, was that literally the first name that you came up with and it just happened to be free? No, I, uh, no, I spent like yeah. <laughs> three months just like writing down all types of words, everything I could think of. And it just kept coming back down to uh, perspective and collective. You know, this I thought this was going to be a collective of maybe perspective-based drawings because I like drawing in perspective a lot too. And, you know, it yeah. has that double entendre meaning. Um, but finally, I just, I picked it. I rolled with it. I didn't even like it for like, the first couple of months. And now it's like, that's just become part of me. You know, now I know it is what it is and I love it. Yeah, I know when I uh, came up with logo geek originally it took so long to find that name and it, it turned out uh 
just because the, the the domain was free and like you I, I wasn't sure about it for some time but I think if you persist with something and you continuously use it it just becomes part of your identity and it kind of works so it's it's good to know that you know that you you took a similar path with that I would have to say, here's a quick tip. Uh, Perspective Collective is super, super long. So I have to use like <laughs> condensed uh, typefaces and fonts to make it work. So if you're out there and you're looking for like a way to name your business or your side hustle or just like your Instagram handle, try and pick something a little bit shorter. <laughs> it's a lot easier to work. Like Logo Geek, that flows. That's easy. That's memorable. That's, you can get yeah. that on pretty much yeah. any handle. Perspective Collective, it's not so easy. <laughs> it's a mouthful but I, I i remember it you know that's that's how i that's how i know you you know when i when i looked up scotty russell when i first found about you uh found out about you from uh diane gibbs i've i've not forgotten that you know so uh, you, you must be All doing right. something that wrong. makes me that makes me feel a little better man <laughs> now i know that you're really into hand lettering um, I've seen a lot of your uh, logo design work and hand lettering work, and you, you know you're you're sharing a lot of that work on um, social media. And uh, your work is incredible. I, I really love the, the stuff that you're putting out. What was it that got you you into that as a as a skill? Let's see. If we were to go back again, like connecting the dots, it's all about connecting the dots. What are the things that you used to do as a kid that you still like? that still interest you as an adult today. And for me, I was that kid who was drawing that cool Stussy S looking thing. I would always draw my name on my book covers or other people's names. Um, and then like around 2013, early 2014 is when I really started getting serious on Instagram and I started seeing this hand lettering craze. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is stuff I'm already doing. I was doing like custom logos for my t-shirt brand or for friends or custom lettering for tattoos. I'm like, this is actually a thing. And uh, I saw people making money from it. Like, well, this is something I want to do. So at the beginning, I was just drawing as before, not really like going through uh, the typographical parts of it, the anatomy and things and learning it truly. I'm just throwing it out there and covering up my lack of knowledge with lots of details to hide the blemishes. Um, and finally, I'm like, OK, I'm starting to get some attention, growing an audience. People want to hire me for it. It's time to take it a little bit more seriously and take myself more seriously. And that's why I was like, OK, I need the. Doyle Youngs of the world. I need to start taking workshops because the people I was surrounding myself with at these conferences, they were like the big time. They they knew what they they knew what they were doing. They could spot out errors. They spoke in all the terms of holes, apertures, crossbars, um, ears, tittles, all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, it's time to step my game up, and that's that's where things really really took off. And especially when I started mixing in my my first love of uh, illustrations in with the mix, that really helps me. I think. I stand out a little bit more because everyone's an old letterer, but how many people really thrive with mixing their illustrations with lettering? So what was it that you did to help you get to that next level, you know, to, to up your game? Um, number one, it was realizing that I was stuck in a bubble in my state of Iowa. Nobody around me was doing anything remotely similar to what I was doing. And I saw this community on Instagram and I'm like, I want to be a part. I want to find people. Um, so I was going to a conference, uh, Creative South was my first conference. And that's where I met my people. Uh, letters, typographers, designers. And then I attached myself to them, to be completely honest. I just became other people's shadows, asking questions and seeking out resources and finding online workshops or taking workshops at conferences or courses or anything like that. And then um, the books that helped me out the most that I had just packed up recently because we're moving our home in a couple of days, but uh, it was anything from Doyle Young. Like that, yeah. that 
they're expensive. You pretty much are going to have to buy them used off Amazon, but he breaks down everything. If you want to geek out and nerd out over some typographic structures and learn the ins and outs of letters, you got to know the rules so you can break them. And mm. I was just breaking rules without knowing them. But once you know the rules, then you can break them. And that's where you can really develop your own style, your embellishments um, from there. So conferences, finding community, seeking out courses, workshops, and then books, and then just deliberate practice, tons of practice. Yeah, those books you mentioned, I totally agree. They're incredible. And I know they are expensive. Um, I actually imported mine brand new from from the States. It was cheaper to buy it in the States and have it shipped over to, to the UK when I bought them. But they are really thick, hardback books. And it's it's just pure gold. You know, uh, Doyord was uh, a pure uh, genius when it came to lettering. Um, it's, it's sad that he's, you know, still not around today, but the, the work he was doing is just phenomenal. And, and you can learn so much from those books. So, you know, for me, that was uh, one of the best investments I, I've made. It's one of my favorite books. So um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And and also with um, hand lettering and logo design as well, it, it really is one of those crafts where you need to put the time in and keep working and keep practicing. So it, it's good to know, you know, that you, you, you did the groundwork to understand the, the, the things that you were doing wrong, but then continue to uh, practice. And, and here today, you know, your work is, um you know it really stands out it's 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 fantastic work and i think you know all of that effort at that time really paid off i i appreciate you saying that and it's so hard i'm sure a lot of your listeners get it too getting wrapped up in comparison about like what other people are doing for their yeah. work and that's something i deal with all the time because you, you you're throwing some compliments and i'm like well have you seen this person's work i want to be on their level so it's like uh there there's a fine line of yeah, you're good. I'm getting better. I can see the growth and like the growth is what fuels me and drives me. And I'm sure it is with you as well as whoever's listening. Looking back a year from now, you can see that growth. They're putting a picture side by side of this piece you created two years ago. And now you recreated it and you're just like, wow, you know, the, the growth is there, but it's, it's not comparing yourself to other people. That's big for me and realizing there's always a next level. You can take it. I haven't mastered anything yet. And yeah. there's a lot of room for growth and that's exciting at the same time. Yeah, but I also think um, I, I know you say it's it's wrong to compare yourself with others, but I, I do think it, it's healthy to um, think that there's still room to grow. Because I think if you was to get to a point where you felt that your work was just incredible, and um, you know you you didn't have that drive to continually um, you know d- develop your skills and improve them and uh, push forward if you didn't have that drive you wouldn't be where you are today it's, it's, I think it's natural uh, as graphic designers to be this way and even though you know from a mental health perspective it is unhealthy to be comparing uh, what you do but I think having benchmark work and pushing yourself to uh, get your uh, level of work uh, to that uh, level uh, that you know it's a good thing I, I, I would I definitely think agree comparison from a standpoint of setting a benchmark and like using it as fuel that's great that's that's a good kind of comparison but it's when like comparison paralyzes you from even doing the work or showing up that's that's the bad and negative side that i've had to work on so i i like yeah using if you can use people's work as fuel then that's that's a good healthy way of doing it 
know. Yeah. But then as long as you're competing against yourself and not seeing the world as competition. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now I, I wanted to ask you about your your own business. So p- p- perspective uh, collective. We've already uh, briefly spoken about how you uh, created your name, but you've obviously built a, a, a brand around that now, and you know you have a, um, a community. You have your own podcast and. Uh, you know you got work under that umbrella as well I know you mentioned that you haven't been doing that for um, some time because you, you haven't needed to but it's it's cool to see that you built your own brand in your own time around a full-time job um, I'm, I'm curious like once you created that name how did you go about creating that brand for yourself uh, it's been all by accident I still don't know what I'm doing um, I stumbled into everything totally stumbled into all of it but i'm a big believer in like when you see the signs of life or signposts the omens or anything coming to your way it's like you gotta you gotta be one you gotta be able to be receptive and notice things and two you gotta start doing more of what works to put yourself in a position to continue to attract more opportunities so for me again it all started with instagram i wanted to just have a name i could house drawings under again because scotty russell designs just didn't have that memorable factor like you were talking about yeah. earlier yeah. and from there um you know catching features here and there um, that that's what started the freelance people wanted to hire me for my work i was getting more than just 50 dollars a pot for certain things um but that led to me like I'm, I'm more than just a polished drawing on instagram you know, i have something to say and i'm not a writer i still don't consider myself a writer but i've been writing a blog or doing some kind of outline or a podcast or writing a speech or an instagram caption for like weekly for four years now you know so i i guess i am a writer but it turned into blogging and blogging is what got me linked up with diane gibbs and yeah she heard me mention to the universe that i wanted to be a public speaker and a year into blogging she gave me my first speaking opportunity which led to me speaking at creative south a couple weeks after that so drawing on instagram turned to freelancing which turned to blogging which turned into public speaking um the talk at creative south went really 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 well i almost said no to all of it because it scared me so much um, and everybody's like, you should have a podcast. You should have a podcast. I'm like, you know what? Damn, I'm going to do a podcast. And then four months of being too afraid to pursue that. Finally, I, I put it out in August 2016 and I became a podcaster. And from there, I've taught workshops because someone asked me. And I started doing coaching because I have a coaching background, you know, from sports and college. And, you know, now I've morphed into a creative coach this year. So it's like, each little step, I don't know what's coming next, but clearly uh, doing my thankful time between coaching and uh, freelancing, that's that's the next step for me. And at the beginning of this year, I would have never saw myself coaching and I would have never saw myself going into 2020 doing my thankful time. But here we are again, yeah, stumbled yeah. into everything. <laughs> you, you know what? It's, it's good that you say that because... Um, I know I've I've had people say to me that I've I've created a, a really strong brand for myself and I feel like I did it very much in the same way you know you just you know do one bit and then you do another bit and it, it creates a, a domino effect and like each opportunity that comes along creates another opportunity and um, you know if you take it by the horns then you never know where it's going to take you and it, it's cool to to hear that you know just blogging created another opportunity and you then eventually went on to speaking and doing workshops and stuff like that it's, it's cool to think that that all started off from just you know posting your work on instagram it's it's amazing really and i would say the consistency throughout it was like 
creating work and speaking to things that I believed in, um, like inclusivity. You know, I grew up getting bullied and picked on. So like acceptance was something I always sought. So I wanted to somehow, I didn't know I was building a community, but I wanted to build something that people felt like they could be a part of too. I wanted to speak out against things like bullying, which is something I want to like really dive into more because I was bullied, you know, and um, being vulnerable and honest and transparent, like those are very big things for me as well. And that's um, like the the drawings and the the blogging and early days of the podcast. That was more just me ha- having more therapy sessions to talk about being a creative, dealing with anxiety and how it keeps me up at night. You know, it was more therapeutic for me. And I think it's like talking about real things that I believe in that I have values about as well as just openly sharing parts of my life that people can be like, Hey, that's me too. You know, uh, he, he's waving his freak flag. Like this is his tribe. I want to be a part of his tribe. So it was just, I, I would say those were kind of how I built the brand is having something I was passionate about that I wanted to speak about that I cared about that I had values for. And then just kind of being transparent. Sometimes I'll probably overshare. But at the same time, like I'm telling you, I got laid off. You know, I'm sure someone else can, you know, relate to that, that, or they have no idea what they're doing. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but yeah, people come first for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I totally agree that it's important to be transparent because, you know, when you get to a certain point, like me, I've, uh, people can look at what I built and it's like you've got loads of followers who get you, you know you uh you have that you have that you have that and um I experience anxiety and I I still go through those same problems like like you do I you know I've experienced that myself and I've spoken about that on the podcast in the same way that you are and I think if you was to go on stage and pretend that you're some um bulletproof graphic designer that's had every success it, it's it's not relatable at all not no one can all. no one can look at you and think um you know i can do that but when they understand your background and how you started people can relate with it and they're like oh yeah i can do that too and um you know that's something that i believe in and something that i try and get across in this podcast so it's it's nice to hear that you you know you you've mentioned that and um you know that's something that you push with your talks and with your podcast and your community as well i think it comes back around to sharing your story like your story is your most powerful valuable asset and that's what attracted diane gibbs to me in the first place of why she gave me the speaking opportunity because i was out there sharing my story on top of sharing my work so it's like there's something you want to do right now that scares you that's like whatever you want to believe in your faith universe your gut intuition you know that that's that thing is trying to nudge you to do that that's that's how you unlock the next version of yourself is by rattling your comfort cage and shaking the tree and doing things that get you out of your comfort zone and so like sharing my story sharing my artwork and doing things that made me uncomfortable is how i've always unlocked the next step even though i didn't know i was like unlocking that step at that time if that makes yeah. sense yeah, it does. Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be podcasting if I wasn't blogging. I wouldn't be podcasting if I didn't share get over my fear. I was terrified to share my work. I was terrified to claim I was an artist till I was like twenty, twenty one years old. So it was really hard for me to share my work in the beginning and none of this would have happened. No brand would have been built in five years of doing this outside of a day job had I not overcome the fear of sharing my work in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. One thing that's coming to mind, um, one question that always comes up in the uh, Logo Geek uh, Facebook group and other communities is people struggle to get clients. You know, they, they want to do what we're doing, um, but, you know, clients is... Uh, what everything boils down to at the end of the day, because if you don't have clients, you don't have a business. If you don't have a business, you know, <laughs> um, you know you're going to have to be uh, working for someone else. I find it interesting that you've taken a similar approach to me and kind of built a, a brand a, a around you. Um, you're, you're not just posting work. You're, you're also speaking. You're also podcasting. You're also building a community. Have you found that by taking that route that you've had more opportunities to get clients? I, I know you mentioned about the the um, consulting, which I can imagine brings in a good income for you as well. But has it allowed you to get like a clients from from doing it as well? Not necessarily consulting, more like coaching other creative side okay. hustlers yeah. who yeah who, who who crave to like build something for themselves outside their day jobs like that's kind of like the niche that i found is you know helping people build something for themselves outside their day job because that's all i ever known how to do but in terms of like you know are people looking for tips on how to attract clients because i can talk a little bit about what i'm in the process of doing with re overhauling my portfolio yeah i think it'd be good to hear that from you because i i, I know people look at uh, other graphic designers like yourself and they think that you're doing all of this stuff you know the speaking the podcasting the community building to attract clients so I'm just curious like do, does that work for you in that way or do you have to do other things to to get clients so the whole building a personal brand I know that's like a gross word to some people but that's truly you are your own personal brand regardless if you're a business or not, like every day you're performing and you're selling, whether you're selling your ideas, your performance, whatever. So you are a personal brand. But for me, like when I set out to do this, I had no desire thinking that any of this was going to pick up clients or attract an audience or, you know, collect speaking gigs or anything like that. Um, but now that I'm going to be doing things full time, me, I need to be a little bit more strategic about what am I posting? Is this to attract someone to my tribe or is this to attract uh, a, a potential client? Where am I posting this? Am I building a case study on my site and on Behance or is this just something fun and personal like pizza related, you know, um, on my Instagram page? Can I create something that attracts both uh, a, a tribe member as well as a client? Can I do that with a story? Can I do that with the work? Can I do that by presenting it on a mock-up? So like right now, the biggest tips I'm using that I've always preached to other people that have worked for me in the past that I'm like redoing now is um, I'm in the middle of since I'm out of the freelance game for a while. You know, I said no to it after my son was born, but now I'm getting back into it and I'm really starting from the ground up or like the current work I did in my last five years is nothing I want to show to attract the work I want to do now, which is heavy illustration, lettering and branding. That's that's my bread and butter right now. And I haven't shown a lot of my branding work. So now I need to start showing branding. And I'm doing this by creating two to three fake companies and brands. That's that's what I'm doing. Going back to basics and I'm making stuff up to just go all out and just showcase what I'm capable of doing. And one's a pizza, one's coffee, and I'm going to be pursuing cannabis because I know that's a huge market and it's something that really interests me. Got the pizza and coffee down 
and I'm just showing things on mockups. I'm going on all different kind of mockup sites, Creative Market, uh, Graphic Burger, Free Mockup World, Mockup PSD, whatever. And I'm just downloading these mockups that not only show um, like how a logo will look as an identity set, a responsive branding, responsive illustrations, but then how is it going to look on tangible commercial products? And I think that's a huge, huge tip for people to do is not only show the work you want to get, but let a potential client see how that work can apply to them. How can they hire you to do that for their business, whether it's uh, t-shirts or candles or pillows or blankets or uh, murals, whatever. Like if you want to attract mural jobs, you need to start putting your work and photoshopping them on murals if you're not painting a mural yourself, if that makes sense. Like you gotta, you gotta show that work in a real life setting, a tangible commercialized setting. And that's what yeah. I'm really, really focusing on right now. Yeah, well, I, I think I think that's good advice because at the end of the day, you attract the kind of work that you put out. So I, I think I think it's good what you're doing because uh, a lot of people don't really know where to start when they don't have a portfolio. I often recommend uh, you know people go and reach out to uh, charities so that they have a client yeah. to, to work with so that they can uh, develop those um, skills. But I think when when you're in uh, your position, if there's certain uh, markets that you want to reach or certain type of clients that you want to reach creating a fictional project and you know really putting in the effort and presenting that well hopefully you'll attract um, someone that wants that kind of work and then you know as, as you build up um, you know a, a, a portfolio of real client work then you can eventually swap those pieces out or you know you can leave them in but it would make sense to eventually um, swap them out so that you can uh, you know, do some really detailed uh, case studies and, you know, add testimonials and stuff in there. But I, I think it's a really good way to um, uh, start the ball rolling, especially when you don't have examples to show already. Exactly. And if you have personal work that you've already done, find a way instead of just showing it in a flat static version. Yeah, you can build these splash sheets, which I'm going to be doing, but I'm also going to be showing how my work can be used in those tangible settings as well. So if someone, maybe I'm not getting this uh, responsive branding project that I know can net me something, maybe it's more um, usage rights or licensing for a design for a large company with t-shirts or something like that. You know, so it's like mock your shirts or mock your stuff up on t-shirts or coffee mugs or anything like that if it's not like true heavy duty logo design. So if you've already done a bunch of personal lettering and illustrations, no, that's that's a really good way to do it too. Yeah, very true. I, th I think that's really good advice to to hear how you're going about getting clients, and I think it kind of sets the stage that building a personal brand is a lot of work, but that alone doesn't actually get you clients. You have to be quite intentional with your actions and your approach to intention. To that's yeah. that's exactly yeah. it. Be intentional. And sorry to interrupt you, but I gotta I gotta piggyback off that because I think the one thing that's per not the one thing, but a big thing, the secret key ingredient of this this my crust that I've baked up in five years is intentionality. You know, I need to know what exactly I'm working on each week and each day I have a plan of attack. As long as it's like one big thing a day, I know what I'm gonna work on. And I think that's what's brought me a lot of success, especially outside of the day job. Of helping me build this personal brand, attract an audience, and now you know, I've turned down a lot of client work, but I know that intentionality is going to really come and help me out in that in discipline. So sorry yeah. to cut you off there, but I had to. Yeah, I had, yeah, that, that's good. so yeah. important. 
I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks, who has sponsored this season of the podcast. As creators, we like to spend our time creating clever ideas that give value to our clients. But a lot of us spend way too much time running our business, doing things like creating invoices, chasing payments and logging all of our expenses. And that's actually where FreshBooks can help. It's an accounting software designed specifically for creative professionals like you that's so easy to use, you'll save hours each week on all of the time-consuming admin that you're doing. And that means that you have more time to focus on designing logos and brand identities. Time-saving features in FreshBooks includes creating and sending branded invoices in about 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from your invoices, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when tax time rolls around, you'll also be able to export tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks. No credit card required. Just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now let's get back to the interview. I know you're now full-time and I know that you're really hustling down to build up your own uh, client base on top of the brand that you you'd already built but that was a side gig so you had a full-time job and I know you have a um, a son and partner and everything like that you somehow made time to to build this and you've obviously put a lot of time and effort into that how have you actually gone about making time to fit all of, all of this in so that you can be in this amazing situation where you've lost your job but now you can just build on what you've already got i love how you say amazing situation so many other people are twisting it and be like i'm so sorry for you like there's pity and empathy behind it and i i i prefer to see it as you see it this amazing opportunity you know that i was shoved into um another stumbling here we go um so for me again intentionality um my work is play but at the same time getting up early is hard, but I, I realized how selfish I was with my time in the past, and I wanted to put my son and family first. So at nights, you know, I, I couldn't work. That's why I said no to freelance and murals and everything that I love to do that brought an extra income. Um, so I would work in the mornings, but every night before I go to bed, I plan my next day. I know my plan of attack, and that's something I teach in the coaching program. You know, this creative grind system that I have, this ABC method, that's really really helped me because. If you're not the person who can just thrive by winging it and just showing up each day, um, you need a plan. You know, there's there's a few unicorns out there that can just show up and wing it and they crush it. But I feel most people, especially with the day job, you know, it's 168 hours in a week, 40 of them already allocated. If you don't know what you're going to show up and do each day, you're going to have a hard time having progress and going in the right direction. You may be making minimal progress in a million different directions, but you got to have you got to know what you're working towards. And I've been good at spreading myself too thin in the past. So learning what it is I wanted. So the reason I, I had so much success in coaching this year is because I said no to freelance. You know, I, I knew I, the podcast and coaching. The podcast is kind of like the main gravy to my business. That's the backbone. That's my marketing channel. That's kind of my funnel now when that was never my intention. But it's like that that's like the main marketing stream. If I want to, I want to promote something, it's through the podcast. So the podcast and coaching have kind of been the focus. And now with 40 hours back in the week, now I can mix back in the freelance, but 
It's it's knowing what to say yes to, what you prioritizing, and what to say no to. So intention, discipline are huge. And you gotta have fun. Like if this wasn't play to me, then it'd just be another soul sucking day job. And I'm not saying mine was soul sucking because I had I had it, it was a great experience there. I'm definitely not bashing. I've had crappy. I don't know if I can swear here, so I'll be nice. But um, I've had. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've had plenty of shitty day jobs, and I have friends with plenty of shitty day jobs. You know, so um, but luckily I've had one that complimented my, uh, what I was doing, and they supported me on the outside too. Kind of rambling, but time management is huge. Time management and having a vision and goals. You know, that's that's everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that because I know um, I, I have a part-time job myself. So I work for a company three days a week. So I've, I've got, um, you know, Thursdays and Fridays when I can focus on my own projects and, you know, I can stretch that into the weekend if I need to. Um, but, you know, first thing I do on a Thursday morning, I mean, you, I, I know you do yours the, the, the night before. First thing I do in the morning is plan what I'm going to be doing over the next four days. And then I just sit down and I, I get on with it. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you, and it's something that I read in one of your interviews, you, you said that you work in the morning. Yes, sir. Is it right that you wake up at 4.30 a.m.? <laughs> um, since I've been laid off, it's been 6 a.m. now. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would work from 7 to 4. So that meant, especially during like a launch week or when I was prepping for my first live podcast at Creative Works, just so many different things going on. I needed that time of the day. I'm not, I'll be honest, I wasn't getting enough sleep at all. But yeah. I feel like sometimes during the seasons, you've you got to grind, you got to switch it on. But I'm an early riser. I try to go to bed at a decent time as well. But um, I find for me, I'm a natural uh, night owl. I love to stay up late drawing, but I found the things that require the most willpower are things like writing for me. And I have the most willpower in the mornings once I get that first cup of coffee in me. And I just have complete silence before the world wakes up and tries to like shove its problems on me or tries to distract me or get on social media, any of that. So it's like, that was my, my time in silence to grind where I can just do my best work that requires the most willpower. So that's why mornings were special to me. You know, yeah. now I just got to find a new routine, but I feel like, I feel like the discipline and the tactics I used and groomed myself into having, because I used to be the kind of person that wung it, or winged it each day as well. You know, that's all going to come into play now, 2020, once I really, you know, hit it hard doing my own thing. So it's like I've been building these uh, disciplinary uh, characteristics that are now going to really help me thrive. Yeah, yeah. I I think with waking up early, you're you're not actually the only person that I know that does that. I've got a friend, a uh, guy called uh, Ryan Robinson, who's actually been on the uh, podcast in in the past. He built his business on the side of a full time job and. He, what what he did is he woke up early in in the same way that you do. I think you actually wake up even earlier than than he did. But he found that his most valuable time, because that was when he was most alert. When you know he he just woke up, um, uh, you know his mind's fresh and nobody else can bother him because nobody exactly. else needs that time. You know, like uh, none of his friends, none of his family um you know want to bother him at that time so he would wake up early and doing that he'd be able to get like two or three hours work done in in the morning and then go to his full-time job mm -hmm. and you know doing that every day you can get so much work done in a week yes. um i've never tried it myself um mainly because that's that just sounds way too early so I, i'm just curious to know um 
how do you get motivated or so or what are you doing to to make yourself wake up that early because i know people will be listening to this and think well 4 30 a.m is crazy what what motivates you to keep waking up at that hour (laughs) one nobody's gonna make my dream happen for me that's that's number one that's the driving force of like i want to do my thing full-time one day and i treated my side hustle like it was my full-time job right from the get um so from the jump it was it was hard especially going to work at like eight i would get up maybe at seven instead then maybe 15 minutes earlier the next week then 15 minutes earlier the next week you know it's like quitting cigarettes uh if you can do cold turkey and you normally wake up at seven now you get up at four thirty. that's great hell yeah kudos to you but for me that's hard so if your normal routine is get up at seven you got to fly to work you know get up 15 minutes earlier like just putting in 15 minutes a day for i believe uh, what is it i read this somewhere but 15 minutes a day putting into your work equals up to like eight full hours by the end of a month or something like that so imagine how much work you can get done in eight hours in a day so for me it's incremental change over time and then not only if you're someone who's able to start getting up early and putting in just an hour of work before you go to your day job that's you're gonna get so much done but then how are you leveraging your lunch breaks? This was big for me. I would do all my recordings, not all my recordings, but once my son was born, a lot of my recordings with people for the podcast came over lunch. Now I would hustle over my lunch breaks. I'd have two 10 minute breaks in a day. That's when I would respond to emails, post on Instagram, respond to people, um, you know, just to make sure like I'm building that community and making face and building those relationships with people. I want to be known as someone who always tries to get back to someone. And even if I'm busy going through chaos, I want to make sure I'm responding to someone like with you. I always tried to get back to, even though it was really, really hard. It may not have been right away, but I always try to get back to someone, you know? So, you know, you utilizing that time. And then I go to the gym when I get off. And then at night, after I put my son down, I found another hour I could allocate to the dream. So maybe I was only getting like two and a half hours in a day on my dream, but like you can get so much done. As long as you focus on doing like one thing a day, even if it takes you 15 minutes, just do one thing a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I've, I've always found, um, that something really amazing because I know my, uh, Twitter following, I've, I've nearly got, um, a hundred thousand followers on there now. Oh shit. I apologize, but I'm, I'm looking you up on Twitter as we speak. That is the result of what, like five minutes a day, every day. And just, you know, first thing in the morning, just making it a routine, just the post. And it's crazy that those, you know, couple of minutes, what's a couple of minutes? You know, it's, it's, it's nothing. But if you keep doing that and, and you work towards a goal, you, you can do anything. I, I, I've always liked the idea that, um, say if you was going to walk up or your goal was to get to the top of the mountain, if every single day you did one step, you will eventually get there. And, and that's the, um, like an, an, an analogy to reaching your goals and just putting in, you know, five, 10 minutes or even, you know, as much as, as, as an hour every day, you will reach where you want to because you're working with intent. But where it goes wrong for a lot of people is when you're walking up that mountain, if you see a shiny penny on the floor, mm-hmm. you're going to steer in a slightly different direction and suddenly you're wasting time, you know, you're, you're steering in, a, in the wrong direction. So, um, what I'm trying to say with that is if you know your final destination and you continuously work towards that with intent in the way that you've said, 
even though you're just doing 10 minutes a day, half an hour a day, or, you know, if you're lucky enough to fit in a couple of hours a day, all of that builds on and it's that compound effect where you will eventually reach that final destination, no matter how high that mountain is, because you're always every single day doing one step or a couple of steps towards that final goal. It's, it, it boils down to you got to know what you want. And when you know what you want, then you got to reverse engineer it to how do you get there? And that, and when you have those steps and that outline, you know what you want, your vision's crystal clear. You have the clarity and the conviction and the confidence of the direction you're going. And it's way easier to say no to that sign, uh, shiny object syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. and before, before I knew I really wanted to make coaching work. Um, like I was doing freelance speaking workshops, um, selling merch, physical merch and digital merch and doing all the things. And I wonder why I wasn't making a lot of progress. And it wasn't until I like focused in one direction for a season, I'm not saying forever, but for a season, if you can just work in one direction for a season, if you want to like really get really good at freelance or you say, say letter, you want to get really, really good at letter and spend the next six months practicing your ass off, go buy those books. Don't care about anything. Don't spend time on calligraphy or like even don't even worry about custom logos at the moment or illustrations or knitting or underwater basket weaving or soap carving. Just go all out and lettering for that season. Blinders up, tunnel vision, just straight focus. And you're going to be amazed how good you can get in a short amount of time by blocking out everything else. So like me preparing for coaching was more like copywriting and coming up with uh, criteria and everything like that. So I, I took all of 2019, just well, the podcast has always got to be there, but I said no to like everything, no speaking, no anything else. And, you know, I really got good at the copywriting and email marketing and everything that was like the backbone for the coaching program. So, and selling, you know, selling people on something I believe that is a great product that can improve their lives, something I believe in that I put into practice myself, you know, so Go in a season of something. If you like to do all the things, just take something for a season. Yeah. I've always loved goal setting and um, a book for me that really changed my perspective on everything was a book called The One Thing. Yes. I don't know if Gary you've It's a short book. Um, you can read it probably in a, in, in a few hours. But yeah, that, that really changed my, my life because what Same. you can do is you can plan your long-term somewhere out there goal and it doesn't matter how big it is or you know whether you've got the skills or whether you've got the confidence to do it but if you've got that that somewhere out there goal you can then break that down into like where do you where do you want to be in five years time and in order to get to where you want to be in five years time what do you need to do each year and then you can break that down into a yearly goal and then you can break that yearly goal down into monthly goals then weekly goals and then daily goals and then hourly goals and then you know ultimately boils down to uh what you do now and um since i uh created that somewhere out there goal i mean there, there was a point where i actually had a a notice board up in in uh, my bedroom <laughs> and i pinned up like what kind of house do i want to live in what kind of place do it's i like want to vision board to? yeah it's a vision board and um you know what <laughs> within quite a short period of time i started to go on the holidays that i wanted to go on because it, it was like oh rather than going on that short holiday you know that that um 
uh, is, is a bit cheaper than where I really want to go to. I, I can just save up and, you know, go to where I've always really wanted to go to. And it's it's allowed me to, you know, do things that I wanted to do, like start buying a house because I know that I wanted to and I worked out a way that I could. And, you know, business side of things, what kind of projects do you want to work on? It, it really did um, change my life. And because you can picture where you want to be, you can actually reach it because you just need to work out how you can get there step by step and just write down what you need to do and to work through it. It's, it's actually quite simple to pretty much do anything that you want in life. Agreed. And I think there's a difference between setting goals and smart goals, something that's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. You know, anybody can say, Hey, I want to lose, I want to lose weight this year. Well, like you've got to tie something to it. You know, you got to tie specific how much weight. You know, how are you going to measure your progress? Uh, you want to lose 15 pounds by the end of the year? Is that going to be uh, a, a pound every other week, a pound, um, two pounds a month? Like, you know, when are you get, exactly, when are you going to do it by everything? Is it relevant? That, that's the most important thing. So yeah, set goals, but like set smart goals and write them down and then place them where you can see them each day along with your vision boards. So are you doing that for your business? Like, so writing down smart goals? I mean, I have been, but um, for real, like last night was the was the deciding factor of hey, I want to take my thing full time. So as people are hearing as people are hearing this, this was like recorded in November, and today is basically the first full day of me deciding. Yes, I'm taking. This is what I'm going to do. You know, so you're hearing it fresh. Um, yeah, after <laughs> nights after nights of anxiety of staying up late. I'm just like trying to chew through everything going on in life between moving the house, kiddo number two on the way, everything. Um, for me, yes, I'm going back to the drawing board and setting smart goals. How much do I want to make by now with coaching? How much do I want to make by then with freelancing? How am I going to do it? Now, who do I need to outreach to? Who are my friends in the creative community that can help me um, gain some more clarity or give me insights on what I need to do differently or you know, my pitching, my presenting, um, all of that. So it's like I will be starting from the, the foundation of setting smart goals for both the coaching and the freelance moving forward. I haven't done that yeah. yet because this is a day into it. But by the time this episode comes out, you better believe I'm on that shit. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm really excited for you. And it sounds like this couldn't have come at a better time for you because with the way that you work and, and with everything that you set up, you're going to make this work and it's going to be so good. So I I'm really excited. It, I'm excited for you. And I, I think the um, relevancy of the topic that we've steered down, I, I, I didn't actually um, originally plan to uh, take the three, but I think talking about goal setting and um, you know, creating your vision and, and um, you know, working through actionable smart goals is a perfect uh, topic uh, to kind of start the, you know, 2020 uh, with. So, you know, people that are listening to this that are already starting to plan for uh, 2020, hopefully it will give people some inspiration to, um, you know, really plan uh, their, their next year with intent to have a, a massive uh, success from yeah. it. And I have to plug it right now. So if you're someone who has a side or a side hustle outside your day job and you're just needing some help, you need uh, like accountability, you're looking for clarity and you need community because you feel just isolated right now. This is this is what I specialize in is, is providing those three pillars. And if that's something you think you need a little extra hand to elevate your 
creative career and your side hustle to the next level in 2020, then that's the side hustlers war or uh, not the side hustlers war chips. That's a free download for you too. But uh, the side hustlers coaching program.com, like that's where you can apply to be a part of the program that starts in uh, about mid January through April. So yeah, just want to plug that. If there's someone listening yeah, out absolutely. there and you're needing yeah. some assistance, I feel like this is the time to say it. And I will, I'll link that in the show notes as well so that people can uh, find that because, yeah, like I said, it's, it's perfect for the new year and it's, it's a great way to kick things off. And, um, you and know, I'm a, I'm a you living are- an example. I'm a living example of it. You know, it's like I've been side hustling and now I'm doing my thing full time going into the new year. So it's like I can walk you through everything. So I, you, you mentioned about this ABC method earlier and mm-hmm. um, you briefly mentioned then about the three steps. Could you briefly explain what what that is yeah for sure um i I can say it here but again it's in that free download of uh, side hustlers war chest um that's that's kind of like my lead magnet but it's killer content six different guides uh and and time management how to make time to grind and execute outside your day job that's one of them that talks and breaks this down but essentially um i i i kind of vomit everything i need to get done in a week say on like a sunday and from there, I prioritize my tasks from A, B, or C. A is these are things that need attack. These are high urgency quadrants. So you can put that in like quadrant one. Here's all my B tasks. These are on the back burner. So once I get an A, if I get through my A task for the day and I got like that 10 minute break at work, I can hit a B task real quick. Uh, C tasks are things that are cool to get done. They're not urgent at all. So I just keep them if you, it, they're nice to get to, but it's not going to, make you broke and make you on the streets if you don't get them done. Anything that's a D task in that other quadrant, that needs to be destroyed or delegated. That's something you shouldn't even waste your time on. So each day, I kind of plan my day. I want to encourage someone to just start by doing one A task, that one thing each day. But if you can get through that, well, then you already know what that A2 task is. Oh, yeah, you've got to list them too. So once you have all your A tasks kind of funneled in a quadrant, um, then you prioritize them. So seven days in a week, here's seven A tasks. So I list them out A1 through A7. So each day, my whole goal is to get through that first A1 task. And if I have time, then I'll go to the next A2 task. All right. So every day, an A task for that day, one through seven. Again, if there's time, I've got through it. I'm, um, you know, I got a small little break or something like that. Then I could hit a B task if the moment's right. But C task can eventually get eliminated as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, you know, I, I really love that. That It's similar to what I do, but I actually, I, I think I, I might borrow that because it's, it's brilliant. But what I currently do is I write down a list of everything I need to do. I, I like to um, keep paper lists. Uh, it's easier. I keep everything in my fields now. So I like have, I'll have like my bank of everything I need, like in Wonderlist or something. Like you can use like a, an app tracker thing. Where I just vomit everything in those, keep them separate. But every day I write it in my fields note. So I, I work yeah. by hand because there's power in checking something off or crossing something off, you know. But but the reason why I, I organize on those because when you just some people get so paralyzed by just staring at a full long list of stuff and they don't know where to start, and this gives you where to start and what's your next step from there. You know, that's that's what's important. I need exactly you need to know what you're going to do each day. If you're oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, what what I've always done is I I haven't had an ABC method, but I. I have an A method, so I mm-hmm. use a highlighter, and I highlight the things that I have to get done on that day. So, um, and then sometimes I might number them so that I know what uh, priority that they need to be done in. But yeah, I'd literally work through those highlighted bits, and then you know, if if I got um, an extra bit of time, 
I would then progress on to things that I guess would be in your B category. But I do like the idea of it having an A, B, C, and you know, uh, a, a D. It's it's a brilliant uh, method for uh, prioritizing. I, I think you got to do what works for you. This is what works for me, and I've been able to kind of like record the process. And people clear one of the biggest struggles people tell me when I capture it on like a email to the Facebook community when they join is like, what's your biggest struggle when pursuing your creative grind? And like time management is like number one. I'm like, well, that's what I thrive at. So I could teach this, you know? So I'm currently working on a product as well, but that's like something I really, really go over in uh, the coaching program. That's like one of the main things we hit on. Oh yeah, that sounds really exciting. So um, like I said, I will link to that in the show notes for anyone that's interested in looking into that or signing up to it. Um, I'll put a link in there. So we're nearly at an hour, you know, we've, we've got through quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw in one last question. So if you could offer a single piece of advice for people listening, who want to get into hand lettering, which has always been, you know, one of your specialities, what advice would you give for people that want to get into that? Learn the rules so you can break them and don't be like everyone else. That's two. I cheated. (laughs) <laughs> no i'll make that one sentence okay <laughs> so it counts as one no, that's, that's really that's good advice totally what it would be like I, again in the beginning my i could pick out all the errors now but i tried to hide them with detail but now i'm like okay mm-hmm. I, you got to know the rules so you can break them and there's still a lot i need to learn as well but you got to know the typographic structures and the letter forms and spacing and kerning and how the connectors of uh, script need to smoothly go into the next connecting down stem of a letter you know there's like so many intricate details but once you know the rules you can break them and that's where you can start getting crazy with your your ligatures or your swashes or your flourishes you know or combining or overlapping things like you can't overlap uh, uh too thicks you know like too uh, thick over a thick it's like just little tiny rules that yeah. will help you go far yeah, and like you said earlier, uh, Doyle Young's uh, books are incredible. And was there any specific training courses that, that you took that's worth a shout out? It's been more uh, like workshops I've taken at conferences. Yeah, but again, sure. in that side hustle's war chest, I have a whole book um, recommendation suite too with links to everything. You Fantastic. know, every Doyle Young book that you could possibly want, along with any other lettering books that I found were useful, as well as logo design and inspirational and personal development so everything it's it's chock full yeah sure so i mean people can check that out and also create self i've heard so many people um say incredible things about that event um it's a shame it's on the other side of the uh, planet for me and mm. it would cost an absolute fortune to get there but i'm always envious uh, when i see photos i've got friends that go there every year and um i i definitely like to go uh, one year but it sounds like those workshops are worth attending and um you know you've got a lot of value from them and and the um books and everything as well yeah definitely highly recommend it if you can cool well i think we will wrap things up it's been an absolutely fantastic interview i'm glad that we kind of steered it in a slightly different direction to actually make it quite relevant to um the the end of the year so that people can start planning their goals and making time for everything um but scotty thank you so much for coming on it's been really great to chat with you ian it's been a pleasure getting to know you through this today i thank you so much for having me on 
such an inspiring interview and a perfect topic with the new year just around the corner. If you enjoyed this episode, let myself and Scotty know by giving us a shout out on your preferred social media platform. We always love to hear from those that listen. So if you have enjoyed this, do let us know. To learn more about Scotty Russell, head to his website, perspective-collective.com. Alternatively, check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to Scotty's website, social profiles, as well as links to any of the books and resources mentioned in this interview. To find the show notes, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 6.6, where you'll also find a full transcription of the interview. Again, to find the show notes, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 6.6. If you want to chat about this interview or anything else logo design related with myself and over 7,000 logo designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and you can find it just by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash community and uh, make sure to answer the questions otherwise you won't get in and if you've been enjoying this season make sure to write a review on itunes it's quite rare to hear from listeners so if you have been enjoying the content let me know by adding a review that's a really great way to say thank you and it also helps me to reach more listeners too so if you have been enjoying the content if you can spare a moment to do that it would be very much appreciated So that is it for this week, but I will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.